don't let that fear of you haven't done it, that imposter syndrome hold you back. Go step up to the plate with that confidence that you're capable of doing it, but also be reasonable. Like have the right coaches, have the right team members that are gonna help you understand the important things in your business. You know, your numbers, your operations, all the basic fundamentals, you need to have the right team in place to make sure that's dialed in. Without that, you're not gonna have the ability to like really win a lot of games. So that's what I would probably sum it up with and still play on that sports analogy. What is up, Modern Commerce listeners? I wanna show you an amazing app we've been using called Triple Whale. You can check it out, try triplewhale.com. It has all of the business health metrics and growth metrics you could possibly need all in one place, right? So everybody can get on the same page. This has revolutionized our ability to help grow brands and collaborate with brands. Everyone can get on the same page on the most important metrics. So if you're a media buyer, you can come into this and you can just use this little pin icon right here. And you can pin to the top the most important stuff to you. So if I'm a media buyer, I might have ROAS, I might, might have ad spend, I might have new customer ROAS, right? But if I'm an owner, maybe those things aren't as important to me. Maybe I just want, you know, net profit, show me the net profit, show me the sales, right? Show me the number of orders. Um, so everyone on the team can get in line, get, you know, on the same page of what the most important growth metrics are, because it's different for every brand. Um, so grab Triple Whale at trytriplewhale.com, use it. I promise you it will make your growth path far more clear and uh, enjoy this episode of Modern Commerce. Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. You're here with Casey and John, as always. And today we've got another hot interview coming at you. We're continuing our How to Build a Blank Brand series. John, how you doing? And who do you have for us today? I'm doing well, man. It is, it's nice. It's getting nice. I'm excited uh, about the summer and in the spirit of summer, have one of the the marketing director from one of like the best games for the summer. I mean, I guess for any time of year, but it's definitely a summer game. Uh, Joel Padrone, former marketing, very recently former marketing director of CrossNet. Um, if you don't know what CrossNet is, I'll let Joel explain it to you. Um, yeah, Joel, glad to have you here. Give us a little bit of background on yourself and on, on CrossNet. Yeah, super excited to be joining you guys. Um, yeah, background on CrossNet, joined them about two years ago. So super fun experience going from, you know, just the founders for the most part, scaling it up to like a 20 plus person team and just being a big part of helping us grow globally, expand new product lines, um, and just really be one of the fastest growing outdoor games and doing that in the digital marketing space. What is CrossNet? Uh, I want to plug that video so good where we have Dave Portnoy. That's the opening hook. Yeah, CrossNet. What's CrossNet? Um, so I would plug that in right there. But uh, CrossNet is a four-way volleyball net. So imagine one volleyball net. Now you got another one. So you got one person per quadrant. So it turns it into like a, an individual sport that's very easy where you could have pro players play it. You could have people that have never played volleyball. You could have kids play it. You could have a grandma play it. It's super cool. It's height adjustable. Um, so it's a super unique product. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, the, the way I always summarize it, it's, it's like four square volleyball. Right? Yeah, that's, that's how we like summarize it, which that's what it is. It's like a nostalgia, but yeah, you know, modern twist. Yeah. It was a modern twist of balls in the air going over net, like in volleyball. Um, 
And so, so I think that what's really interesting about CrossNet, and this is, I mean, full disclosure, you worked with us, you know, at, at Structured on CrossNet. Um, so we've like, you know, talked about this a lot and uh, you got like, there's, there's a distinction here of what you're doing that's more similar. I mean, there's a lot of games out there, right? Like there's a lot of like fun, but like, you know, as Casey will attest, there's a difference between just like a game and like something that actually becomes more than a game. like like um uh cornhole is a great example of like cornhole is you know we we would call it a sport now like there's actual um like world championships and stuff like that the way i say it, the reason i say casey can attest is because casey is a cornhole a i'm a cornhole guy. champion no i'm not <laughs> yeah as, as the cornhole has his league tournament later tonight actually do um, yeah. so so and this is what you're trying to do with crossnet you weren't just trying to be like a you know, I don't know, spike. Well, a lot of them, a lot of the biggest ones really turn more into a sport. Spike ball also has a U.S. championships, you know. Um, so, yeah, I would, I, the first thing is like, what is the unique challenge? What are the unique challenges of essentially like launching a brand that is a new, a new game, right? That, you know, in your case, your vision was to, your vision was to make it not just a game, it's a sport. Yeah, it, it definitely has has its unique challenges, especially, you know, in the beginning when you're trying to get that product market fit and establish um, the basic things like who's buying this. And that was one of the early debates we had. Do we go, it's a sport or is it a game? That was like one of the early discussions we always had. Um, so we definitely, when I jo joined in, the idea was to go very sport heavy and kind of like you said, you know, spike balls, like the closest game out there. Um, and they do have that, that sport component to it where it's on TV, they have intramural games. So it was like, should we go that route or should we not? Um, in our case, like we looked at the data and realized like the people that are mostly buying this are actually like moms for their kids or like for, okay, for like occasions rather than like people to host a tournament. Um, so that was something with just in the beginning, like looking through our data, what's resonating, what's not, and kind of going with that that approach of like just it's a game where it's a laid back thing anybody could join in and have fun with it because that's what resonated and i think what's cool with us is that fit like our company culture we're not volleyball players we're just dudes having fun and trying to have a good time so right. it, it went that direction i think it's the best i mean and, and, and that doesn't mean it can't be right so it can't be other more serious things like you know one of our main avatars that that we would, you know, call out with our ads was uh, it's it's also a training tool, right? Because it's a little bit different than playing volleyball. So for volleyball players, it's a training tool. Like there's a lot more jumping. There's a lot more. Like it's a it is a legitimate training tool that is like here's a different way to build certain volleyball skills, um, you know, and, and not other volleyball skills. You know, you're not going to get a lot of digs and bumps happening right in cross net. It's mostly spiking it's mostly getting the ball over the net there's a lot of jumping a lot of blocking um so it, yeah it is a legitimate training tool for volleyball players too but the primary use is like it's kind of a backyard game right yeah what we notice is like there's so many different use cases it doesn't have to be like an exclusive one um so definitely we do have different customer angles where you know there are people that use it for summer camps for trainings and then we do have the casual people that really aren't even into volleyball itself um, so that's something that we're able to tap into uh, when we do our targeting, when we do our angles, is going after those different subsets. Um, but for the most part, we decided let's go broad, make this big, and then you know it should naturally really become a sport with like people having meetups. We're already in intramurals and in ten thousand schools, so um, 
that's the angle that we approach and it definitely could become something way bigger in the near future. Yeah. And I, I think another unique challenge I would call out to something like this, and this would be any, any invented game, right? So, uh, I mean, you get can jammed, cross spike ball, uh, cornhole at one time, a lot of people wouldn't know what cornhole is now. Um, you know, like the, the, the challenge is going to be, um, it's not the same as selling a shirt, right? Like, or selling, a, like everyone already knows what a shirt is. I don't need to explain a shirt to you. Like, you know, I put it on my body and it is clothes and that's what makes it socially acceptable for me to go into public. But like, nobody knows what cross net is. Like you actually have to demonstrate what it is. Like, so, so it's, I mean, from an advertising standpoint, like some of the same stuff that will a lot of times what I say, like, Hey, in an apparel, like if you're selling apparel, a lot of times it's really easy creatively. The creative strategy oftentimes is like, show it. And if people like it, they will buy it. And if they don't like it, just show them something else, right? Like you're not going to come up with some crazy ad that's going to make them like that shirt they don't like. Um, whereas with CrossNet, you can't just show it. It doesn't make sense if you just show it. So that's another interesting like advertising in, in some ways in the era of Facebook, Instagram, an advantage, right? Because it's like this new thing that no one's ever seen and it's very engaging, um, but it's a challenge, right? It's, it's its own unique challenge of like, in order for anyone to buy this, you can sell them on the idea of it and then sell it to them. I don't have to sell people on the idea of a shirt, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the unique part of it, that, that challenge where how do you incorporate education of what it is, make it where somebody that's just scrolling through their feed is going to stop and care to listen past those first few seconds, and then to try to get them to purchase something that's, you know, it's $150. Um, you know, it's not like an impulse purchase that you'll just, okay, cool, that's a cool little $15 thing, I'll buy it. Um, so that that's something unique where how do we incorporate all those elements, make it interesting, make it exciting, and at the end of the day, still kind of entice people to purchase this and why they need it for their backyard tailgate for their for their barbecue for whatever the occasion might be um just communicating all in a, in a video yeah so if, if we're going through the timeline of crossnet which uh and and because that actually leads me to something that chris said that's pretty interesting but i want to circle back to it um i heard chris say it on a podcast once that it like very interesting, but um, circling back to it, because I think people need to understand that the timeline of CrossNet first. Um, was it originally launched as a crowdfunding campaign? Do you remember? Or, or was it just launched straight D2C? I believe they just launched it straight. So um, yeah, so I, I knew, I actually knew some of the guys, mostly Chris, uh, Chris and Greg, before they even started CrossNet. So we, we loosely kept in touch, but yeah, they, they ended up moving down to Miami to like really push it. They got like a few, a few made. And mm -hmm. it was, it's incredible to hear the stories of how they got started, like literally yeah. taking it to the beach and see what happens. Yeah, they'd take it to the beach and they'd just like invite people to play. And then they'd have a few that they could sell to people. And that was it, like, yeah. Um, but I think, so, so then the, like from that phase to actually like, hey, we're, we're really growing a thing here. Um, I think of, like in that phase, I think they were like still home making it, right? Um, but then when they actually started getting it manufactured, if I remember the timeline right, they started actually getting it manufactured and made by like the supplier. Um, they went D2C with it, right? And, and, and early on strategy was like heavy Facebook, Instagram ads, which makes a lot of sense, right? For this, for this product. Um, and it did really well. And then there was sort of the, there's a big seasonality to it, which you can't, it's one of those things that I've also heard Chris say this. It's like, 
I can't change the snow, right? Like as much as I would like people to buy this year round, I can't change the fact that it's snowing outside and nobody wants it, you know? Um, so so uh, I remember when we came on to, to it, it was like, it had had this really great success to see with Facebook, Instagram ads. And then they had been, they'd been off for a little while because it was the off season. And there was not really much point in, in spending money on ad dollars during the off season. But one thing that had happened during the off season, I believe is like, uh, you guys had really ramped up your retail presence a lot, right? So you had, um, and this was right when you were kind of coming on, you'd ramped up your retail presence a lot. And, and there was like, you know, some pretty big POs out to like Dick's Sporting Goods and I think Target and others, right? Um, and uh, when we relaunched Facebook and Instagram, it was like, wildly less efficient than it had been before right so yeah i mean talk talk us through that yeah that was so we jumped on pretty much similar timing where it was like right after that at the beginning of that covid spike um so middle of summer peak season that's when like demand like went Summer 2019 yeah yeah i think uh yeah 2020 right right when like covid like econ boom really started coming through where it's like say like everybody was just spending all their stimulus money just spending cash where it was insane. I remember the first week I go, I, I go visit the guys and there's just rolls and rolls and rolls of just labels that we need to print because there's thousands of orders just coming in. And it, it's tough because like you said, you know, you have the inventory constraints, then you're getting big POs. So how do we balance all of that? Um, like running ads again. And like you mentioned, we're out of stock. Like that's, that's what really hurt us with the sales. Like we have all this demand, but people that purchased two, two months ago still haven't received theirs. So it was, it definitely had those challenges of um, how do we scale it back up? And especially when that was like Q3, when it's like a softer sales season due to seasonality, like you said, like September, October, kind of slow. So we did have issues like really getting it throttled right back up before like the Q4 season. Yeah, like it's like it was like you guys kind of caught up on inventory, and you're like, all right, like you know, let's keep this momentum going, let's run paid. Before we were running out of three or four ROAS, we relaunched ads and and like you know launched a decent budget, and it was like it is not that at all. Like it's not close. And I was sitting there saying like, ah, dude, I don't know. Apparently, I suck at this. Like I don't. I this seems like a slam dunk. Every time you guys have ran ads in the past, it's been super efficient. Um, but I think it was you or Chris, somebody was actually pretty understanding. They're like, well, I don't think you suck. I think people are buying this not always online now, right? Um, so that was like a big, I think, breakthrough moment because that was going into Q4 2020, which was like a yeah. huge breakthrough time for CrossNet, yeah? Yeah, that was that was definitely a very big time for us. And and I actually, I think what led us to that was you, you know, we were working together. You shared with us like a tracking tool that you know, we, we started utilizing, like viewing our business in that lens. So we did have a good Amazon presence. We did have, like you said, retail was really picking up. So it's like, okay, we need to like make sense of all this data. And this was pre iOS 14. So you really helped us move to focusing off Mer and like really looking at our numbers holistically in the business where it's like, okay, Shopify is bringing this much. Like you said, our ROAS in platform wasn't that was not good at all. It wasn't very good, but when you back it out for every sale we're getting on Shopify, we're getting four on Amazon and we're getting another two in retail. So it's like, you're thinking you're doing a terrible job because you're looking at one-to-one, -one, whereas we're getting like six or seven other sales per unit sold from our other channels. So it was like, we're always just 
send it let's go once we yeah. figured that out yeah and it, and it was like and it was like correlative too right so like we scaled up so that was the initial test is like you said that and we we're like oh cool and then i remember thinking like i'm so glad these guys look at this holistically because it's it's rare right like now that you're now that you're on the agency side i'm sure you've seen like it's rare right to, people want to hold you to this one-to-one -one accountability a lot of the time um and it, which is understandable um on the brand side because it's like how do i know that you as an agency person are actually performing um so it was like i remember thinking like oh that's cool that these guys look at it holistically and then i, I also remember thinking like well i wonder if it will be correlative because you're kind of like hey let's scale because i think this is going really well um and and then it was like we kind of scaled up like you know go it was like october right like it was like we took over kind of it was like q3 you said you know yeah. I, I, August, September, and we were kind of running this low spend because ROAS wasn't good and stuff. And we started figuring this out and you're like, well, let's scale up a little bit. And it was October, which is usually kind of like dog days, right? Um, Cause it's not really summer anymore and it's not, you know, big sales season yet. And it, it was quarterly, like we actually saw those incremental lifts on Amazon. And it was like, you're saying, it was like, yeah, it's about for every one sale on the site, there's four on Amazon and, and two in retail. And when we scale up, like the scale holds. Um, so yeah, I mean that, I think, you know, I hold you guys up as an example all the time of like, if you are omni-channel like that, and this is what I'll say, like, you know, one of the challenges of a single SKU brand, which you guys aren't a single SKU, but a, a main primary product brand where there's not a ton of LTV lift um, is, you know, ultimately the way you scale probably is, is distribution, right? Like your distribution, yeah. distribution to retail, Amazon, all of this. And uh, you guys were doing that, doing the right thing, but then also looking at it holistically and saying, what is our whole business doing in revenue versus what is our whole sort of marketing spend? Um, and is it effective? That like created a huge Q4, right? Like looking at it that way. That wouldn't have otherwise happened if you were kind of still being like, like hit a three or four row as, you know? Yeah, it definitely would not have. And that's one of the big things that, you know, I, we're still having these conversations today on how we should look at these metrics, what metrics we need to look at, what correlations do we look at for this lift. Um, so the fact that we were able to do that back then is super cool. And like you said, now being on the agency side, like the only brands that are doing this are like near like that nine or in that nine figure a year range. So, you know, we're doing that in the low eight um, and, and pre iOS, we're now like, that's a necessity to look at your data that way. So that was insane that q4 was insane where it's literally i'm i'm calling our freaking rep it's like 10 p.m i'm calling our rep like dude we we maxed our entire ad account spend limit i think we spent like over 250k on like black friday and it's like it hey that, that was it, that's not an exaggeration 100, 100K. oh wait was it yeah, yeah we, i think it was 100 150 so you're off by 100 it was, it was, yeah yeah, it was it was insane. It was it was a lot of spend where it's like our our account got paused for a few hours where it's like shit, we missed out on revenue. Luckily we were able to get it back up. So like that's the level of scale that we were doing where it was like if we focused just on the in platform, that we would have only done like probably a quarter of that spend. Um and that's more important than ever nowadays. Like like you said, when you look at a business holistically, yeah, you know, that helped bottom line big time. Yeah, and one anecdotal story I love to tell about that is um, the sporting goods store. This is weird, like aside, the sporting goods store in the in the city I live in is like really popular. Like I I know like physical retail is dying, but whatever these guys are doing is not dying. Like uh, this is the very like people shop there. People love like people love going there and just being like, um, and and uh, 
I, re I remember after, like during December after that, <laughs> uh, I walked in in CrossNet. A summer game was in like the front and center in the door spot, uh, which I was like, okay, yeah, it's, it's anecdotal, you know, but I'm like, there's no way, you know, it, it, like, yeah, from a data perspective, it's just my opinion, but like, it, it has no business being there in December, right? Um, but there was just, you know, like, even when you guys were looking at it and post is like, yeah, our retail sales were through the roof, our Amazon sales were through the roof, every like, site sales were great. So um, yeah, it was a big breakthrough, you know, I think, you know, for the brand, at least from my perspective, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun spending 150K in a day. But. <laughs> that, that did shock us too. And, and that's, that was the assumption as well, where it's like, how much are people really going to spend in Q4, like as holiday gifting? And that ties back into like the game versus sport approach. That's what real, like where we really realized, like, this is a game and a gift. Um, you know, that's kind of the biggest use case or the biggest addressable market where I've seen like the following year, we forecasted our, our like ad spend, like forecast based on our seasonality curve. And our Q4 is pretty much like the same as what our summer is, which yeah. you, like you'd never think that. And like, I think some of my favorite findings was like, we kind of teased our, our H2O pool, pool model. Um, we didn't promote it, no ads, no anything, just kind of had it hidden on the website or as like an upsell, something like hidden on the website. Yep. And we're like, it's the middle of winter and people are buying a pool game. So that opened our eyes, our eyes to that, where it's like, it's definitely got that gifting angle. And like, it shows like, like you said, retail's moving, people are gifting it online, people are buying it on Amazon. So it's, it's interesting when you look at the data and, and what it tells you back. Yeah, no, and, and, and really looking at, looking at it, because I think it's one of those things where, it's a tough thing. And it honestly, you know, if I were to ever like kind of give people advice on like, you know, how do you get the most out of an agency? How do you, um, as an agency get, you know, work with clients with them? Like so much of it is mindset, right? Like you guys had the right, like you guys were willing to lit, like I kind of said, look, you know, Hey, maybe this is doing a holistic thing, you know, either we suck and you guys should just do this yourselves because you're way better at it. Or maybe there's some holistic lift here. Um, you know, here's some tools you can use and, and ways you can track it. And like, you guys actually got pretty, like you, you kind of head this up where it's like, you started pushing your retailers for like weekly data, you know, on, on sales, which not everybody does that. Like with their retailers, you started pushing for weekly data on sales, which is a physical retailer. That's a lot, you know, like they don't, they don't give their people that, um, you started pulling daily data, you do daily data polls from your online retailers. Um, and like, you really started like kind of heading this up and watching these correlations and looking at your business holistically. And I think it's like kind of one of those things where uh, it's a tough one as an agency because it was the right mindset. Um, a lot of people would see what I was saying and, and saying like, hey, is there a holistic lift here? Um, as hey, that's an agency cop out. Like they're trying to like say what their efforts, their efforts are doing things that they aren't actually doing and stuff like that. But you kind of being willing to be like, well, they might be, you know, um, as we gathered more data over time. And I'll tell you, like 150K was what we spent on Black Friday, but that was not like too, I mean, that was a big day, but we were spending a lot for a long time through all of Q4. And I, and I don't mean like, that's not like a not to brag kind of thing. It, it really is like when you're spending that much, you get a lot of data and, and it becomes pretty statistically significant. And that was the finding, right? Like, it's like, I can't really get away from the fact that that's, that was the finding and, you know, 
really the way the reason it worked out was because you guys had the right mindset and i don't know i digress not really a question but yeah i don't know i don't know if you have anything to like add there but yeah it, it definitely like you said it was it was one of those of just looking at the business differently you know our business is different we are considered you know just a, a dtc brand like everybody else but the, the difference with our brand is majority of our revenue comes from uh retail and distributors instead of our shopify or amazon um so we have to look our business differently it, it really changes how you look at things and like like we touched upon if you're just looking at shopify or in-platform data like you're only going to get so far and i feel like that lesson still applies today like that data is very is like useless um and you kind of need to look at it this way i, I rec like even if you're just on amazon as well looking at trying to find that lift trying to see how it all blends together because even the following year we changed how we model our our numbers so instead of even looking at like okay what's our shopify roas now let's blend in our amazon so sure on shopify we're at hitting our you know roas goal let's say two and a half but now once you add in the amazon uh you're at like a 3.5 it's like hey like we we could still push more if we want to knowing that at the end of the day if we're hitting a three like we're we're super profitable mm -hmm. uh, so just really knowing those numbers getting that accurate data and double check with your accounting team. You don't want to have any 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 surprises at the end of the year where it's very easy to say this is what we need to hit to make money, and then you get your PL back and it's a different story. So right. it's super important to get those numbers dialed in. And like you said, being agency side now, that's the biggest lesson and the educational component where you could it's much easier to deliver their a client's target results than than making sure that they have the number right. Like we yeah. can hit the number you ask, but then when you send your PL and it's different than what you expected, it was it could be the matter of your ROAS being a two versus a 2.1 is what you needed. So it's it's like these very small details that really matter. And brands need to take a lot of it, like spend the time. It's the most boring and mind like it destroys all energy you have in your mind, but it's probably the best use of your time to make sure you have everything dialed in before you scale up, especially when you're spending big bucks. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it's just like, it's a great example, a great hold up. Anybody who has omni-channel distribution, that is the biggest takeaway from the cross net growth, at least that I was involved with, I think, um, from like a marketing and tactical standpoint. I mean, it was, it's otherwise a great product and it's really like, it's, it gets, it catches a lot of very natural word of mouth, like, you know, pretty big Instagram, Instagrammers will post it without being asked because it's just cool, you know? Um, and the thing that I was saying earlier that Chris said uh, that I'm like, oh yeah, that that's like a great point that I didn't even think of is that he's like, look, you know, we know that the retail sales had to do with our, our advertising efforts. Number one, because we we actually ran correlations on this data. And number two, because nobody's going to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy CrossNet unless they understand what CrossNet is. Like in order for somebody to buy that, at retail, I have to first explain to them what it is and why they want it, right? Like, so if they if they have no context, they're not just going to be like, oh yeah, let me just buy this random thing in a box, you know? Like, because it's not like the box really tells you that much of, about what it is. It tries, but um, yeah, it's not you know doesn't demonstrate it. So I do want to go into okay, so 2020 big breakthrough year for CrossNet, you know, because you've got a lot of retail partnerships in place. Uh, started looking at your data correctly. 2021, the year of iOS. Uh, I think iOS really started affecting us right when seasonally you guys are most relevant, right around June. How heavily affected was CrossNet by iOS 14? That's that's definitely a good one. 
Um, for us, we didn't really have, like we, like we mentioned the attribution problems because we didn't really give a damn about attribution. Like we were, like we said, I don't care about what platform is telling me I operate off of this. So we weren't affected much on like the attribution standpoint, but when it comes to like that targeting, like that data loss, that's where it affected us the most. Um, where we're not able to really dial in, you know, our targeting or getting all that data back on what's what's happening behind the scenes. So we did have to pull back spend, um, you know, compared to what we were doing before, which was always just, I, I feel like every message in our chat was scale, scale, scale. Like that was that was the joke at all times, just like scale. Yeah. That's our only feedback, more, more. So that was the first time, yeah, we had to kind of like dial it yeah, back a little bit. It was like at zeros, yeah. <laughs> Everything is like, do you have any feedback? Yes. How can we spend more? Pretty much iOS 14 hit. And now it's like, okay, you know, we do have that data loss. We got to tighten up, like really be dialed in. Um, so it did slow us down in terms of scale. It clear. It wasn't like the targeting loss, right? It, it was more like the, the machine, when a machine is fed and learns based on data, and then you take a whole bunch of that away, you know, um, it, yeah, like the, the learnings, there was some sort, there was two, two effects of iOS 14. There was the actual like visibility of like optimization loss. And then there was the actual like, okay, you know, there, there's some machine learning hit here because our true CPAs are also going down. Um, you know, our true blended CPAs are also going down. And so and yeah, they, that was they a, compounded each other, right? Like, right. Yeah. And then, and we can't optimize. So then that makes it go down a bit more. So there's some, you know, there's some like kind of snowballing effect there, but exactly. yeah, uh, and th yeah, that definitely we it was felt. I think um, in 2021. So, what was the rebound there in in CrossNet? What was the pivot? Yeah, that like exactly like you said, we had to slow it down, and then for us, luckily, it was sales have always been good, and like we introduced the H2O product, so like our pool product was what gave us that like that new lift of okay you know we've been selling the same crossnet you know the, the hero product for like three years and that's that's it it's like you said we don't we're not really like a ltv brand it's really a product you buy it once that's typically it so having like new products that's going to allow us to keep getting that excitement getting like building that brand of like just really fun games that are fun for the entire family like that helped us just keep kind of pushing so i know like that in a way was like kind of like that crutch that helped us where even the in-platform data was still like beating like our target CPAs that we had for it. So for us, we were able to kind of like mitigate that by introducing a new product that luckily popped and like did really well in the market. Otherwise it, we would, we would have been in probably a different story. It was, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was definitely like a, a, a buoy, like that new product launch. Um, and Q4 2021, just to be clear, it, it was not the boom 20. It was still great, still great Q4, but it was not that, you know, boom that Q4 2020 was. Uh, so like that kind of brought us through. So, so, you know, at today, right? Like, what would you say that CrossNet is doing now? Like, you know, so it kind of came through all this like huge year 2020, like many um had been building up to it started looking at the data more holistically that helped uh give some tailwind through 2021 as well as a new product launch okay 20 you know as of 2022 where crossness stands what would you say they're doing really well well because you, you recently left like very recently a month ago or so yeah um, not even yeah so, so you're you're pretty up to speed so uh what would you say that crossness is doing really really well 
what would you say that CrossNet uh, needs to get better at as of right now? Yeah, I, I really think what they're doing really well is continuing to compound on what's worked well in the past. So like, like, we, like we've touched upon, like our retail presence works really, really well. How can we do that? And one of the best ways to penetrate more big box stores is expanding globally. So that's one of the things that we've been doing in the last year and a half. So Australia had a massive rollout, which helped uh, Q4 2021. Um, Europe is going to be launching very soon. Um, Canada continued like it's going to is growing year over year. So there's a lot of that geo geographic growth. Yep. Um, on top of that, more new products. So we're realizing it's like, okay, that products worked well, the next product worked well. So now they're introducing a lot more products it really started to take. Yeah. 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 So definitely a lot more focus on let's beef up the areas that we need to do. So product development, logistics, those things are dialed in. Um, so those are, I would say like the ones that are doing best, like just keep growing and then also being smart. So less, a lot less of let's scale ad spend. We actually are much smarter with that. Um, what we did learn in Q4 of 2021, that was what didn't allow us to get crazy scale is cash flow now. Mm -hmm. Um, so you need to understand your cash flow. Um, and, and that's, that's where it's like, okay, we shifted how we look at things because that's the catch of when you're working with retailers, you have yes. net, net 60 terms, net 90 terms, that cash, when you're looking at it from a MERS standpoint, you're making a ton of money now, but that cash isn't hitting until later on. And that's super important in a seasonal business. So we kind of adjusted our models and like, look at it more from, um, like we adjusted our targets based off of cash flow. Yeah. You started focusing on FCF a little bit more. Like, yeah, that that's definitely like one so of the least sexy things to do. Very, very, yeah, not sexy, but like a lot of just growth with new innovation and like geographic growth. And then what I would say, what we've always kind of been held back by is kind of engagement and community. Like CrossNet has never like, all the sales have done really, really well on the, on the product launches. So there isn't really like much of a sales problem. Um, the, the issue really is like engagement and community building. And that's something that obviously like as ad costs are just getting bigger and bigger, like we, it's more important to have a tapped in engaged audience that you could count on for anything, whether it's yeah. a launch engagement, building out the sport element, just getting people to play more. Like that was one thing that we even thought of like re like thinking back on how we can make 2022 better it's like even thinking like how can we boost daily active players right like thinking of that kind of like as a metric you won't be able to track it but how can we encourage people to play more because in turn they're going to get us eyeballs because you need to play with other people so it's kind of like a natural word of mouth you're going to likely post it on social media so those are the things that kind of like is what's going to be next in the pipeline for them and yeah. and that's definitely going to get sorted out yeah, no, and I think there's, I mean, I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but I think I've, we've had like casual conversations about like, you know, potentially even like a ranking app, right? And like stuff, you know, that where it's like, oh yeah, like I've played this player and this player and now my ranking is that, you know, um, so it's, yeah, I think it, you know, uh, it's an interesting way to like daily active usage of the product that's a physical product. Uh, it's a really interesting way to to think about it, but it, you're absolutely right. Because it, it, again, if you're going to be primary, you know, one primary product or a few primary products, uh, distribution, like you, you essentially get into the game of distribution, which it sounds like you guys are really good at. Right. But, um, the other way that you kind of create that, like 
like flywheel that LTV creates for other types of brand uh, is with word of mouth, right? Like as, as it spreads more organically, if, if every sale also creates a little bit of like this bubble effect, that's huge. Um, cool. So I want to shift a little bit and, and talk about, uh, we've got some time, so we're going to do some sports analogies here. Um, we're yeah. I obviously you were part of a team that invented a sport, so uh, we know that you're you're a sports guy. And we talked off camera, um, but yeah, just some of our favorite sports analogies for uh, you know for business or for for growth. Um, yeah, Casey, do you want to go for? Do you want to give a new one, Casey? Do you got a new one? I mean, I could try. Uh, by the way, feel free to not make it like cross netty if, if if you don't want to or volleyball at all. But I'll but I'll do one. I'll kind of adapt one that I, I normally use, but to volleyball maybe try to. I'm not the biggest volleyball guy, but I'll try my best. Yeah. So like, um, you know, you you don't in volleyball like in traditional volleyball at least, right? You got the bump set spike. I think those are the only three moves really you do. Um, you don't always spike. Spike is like the sexy thing to do, right? It's cool. It it can make the biggest difference in, in any one given moment, maybe, but you got to do the other stuff to build up to that spike, right? Same thing. When we look at like internet marketing, you can't always just be running like the craziest, most aggressive offers, craziest, most aggressive angles and things like that. Always. You kind of have to, there's a little massaging to be done there, but then when the time comes, when that Q4 hits, when, you know, leading up to, to black Friday, those black Friday, cyber Monday sales, that's when you're like, I mean, you're spiking all day. That's you're just, dunking on people not to mix metaphors but uh anyway that's kind of like an example of, of, of just a fun little run to set up the past metaphor but but adapting <laughs> we we basically do this whole podcast just one so that we can meet cool people like you joel but also like we talk for for like 40 minutes about marketing so that we can talk for like five to ten minutes about sports and just kind of yeah sort of make it about i'll myself. hit one relevant to this uh this podcast that i haven't hit before and that is like i'll use the analogy of of baseball and what baseball is today versus what baseball was when I grew up playing and even what major league baseball was when I grew up playing. Like now, I don't know if last time you watched like a major league baseball game, but like if there's somebody left-handed hitting and it depends on who it is because they have data on this, there's somebody left-handed hitting, the infield shifts will be insane. Like the shortstop will be like behind second base the second baseman will be crowded over the third baseman will be playing shortstop. Like they're basically leaving a whole gap on the opposite side of the field, you know, because they're basically just banking on the fact that this left-handed hitter is going to pull the ball. Um, and it's all data-based, right? Like they know where the hitters hit the ball on which pitches, on which speeds on it. So it's like, we know exactly what we're going to throw him and where he's likely to hit the ball. It's just all like, you know, baseball has become such a data-driven game um, compared to when we were, you know, young and they just didn't have that much like data aggregation capability. And it's kind of the same thing you were saying here is that it's like, look, when we look, when we started actually like looking for the right metrics and making the business a data-driven game, it was, you know, it, it really evolved quite a lot. Not to, not to tear down your metaphor here at all, John, but that is so true. To the point to where this year, I believe in in baseball, they outlawed the shift for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, I, think, yeah. I think you can't like put more infielders on one side of the. Just it's yeah. it's not about sports; it's about marketing. But still, yeah. <laughs> worth saying. Right, what, what you got, Joel? I love it. It wouldn't be a podcast without a hot take, so we gotta gotta get one in there. So I'm gonna combine both of them, and I'm gonna say 
if it's volleyball, we're spiking it every time. If it's baseball, you got to go for the big swings. You could adjust after. Like, that's kind of like the attitude that we always had across that is like not being afraid to fail, like take a big swing, go for it. But then also like, if you do fall flat on your face, like take the time to figure out what went wrong and how you could dial it back in. So I'm all about full send it, give it your absolute all, and then, you know, tweak and adjust as you go. Yeah. Obviously don't be completely reckless where you're striking out every time, you know, go for a couple big swings, then you can adjust. But on, uh, on strike one, we're swinging for the fence every time. Every single time. Yeah, no, no fear, no hesitation, swing it like go for it. So I would say that's my, that's my sports analogy. Yeah, no, it, and it was, and it, like one thing I think you guys did well at CrossNet is contingencies sort of, and I don't know if they were pre-planned or if they were like more on the fly, um, that would be like internal insight that I didn't have. But uh, one thing I think people do a lot is they just, and I'm not saying don't be optimistic, right? But I think businesses do this thing a lot where they're like, very optimistic about their big swing, which is great, but they don't think through the idea that like, hey, like, what if you miss, you know, like, what, what is, what happens if this doesn't go well, right? Like, there needs to at least be some, it can't be just like, if this doesn't go well, I'm hopeless, you know, like, it can't be that, right? Or if this doesn't go well, I'm not even thinking about that. Like, that's fine to have that mind, but like, you have to kind of know, like, hey, there is a possibility that I will have to have a contingency plan here, you know, even if I don't want to make yeah. it right now. Um, and yeah, I think that's like actually a decent like mistake people make in e-commerce is like swing big and like just keep swinging big. And it's like, we look, if you swing big on three pitches in a row, good chance you're just going to strike out, right? Like maybe you need a contact hit on strike. Yeah, two. exactly. Definitely on swing one, because that's, that's where for us, it's like, okay, you got to know your numbers to start off. You know, you got to know your numbers. If, Take that big swing if it doesn't work okay dial it back you know where you got to be at if this is like you're kind of like before we do any test it's like what's the break-even point where it's like it's worthwhile to keep doing this if it's below this we shouldn't yeah. so it's like test it like really build up the launch do everything that you can to give it the best chance of success but have your metrics going into it knowing okay if i fall behind on the count got to adjust it a little bit like here if, I, if we fall really behind the count we got to tweak it and do this so definitely i i like that where it's like because we don't want to give the wrong advice to brands where just recklessly go at it you need to go in there with that plan so like i, I like this this tweaked one where i'm not going to get canceled if somebody goes out there and does something <laughs> stupid and loses everything well i think part of this is is data driven too right like knowing your scenarios a little bit because like i mean if you're such i mean just to build on the analogy or cross net it being a successful brand right like if you know that if you take three good hacks you're really likely to hit home run that's a lot more defensible than the person who's never hit a home run before and they keep swinging for the fences every time which we've seen like we've seen that person who won't give up and they're like no i believe in the brand you're like you you, you don't want to say but you, you go maybe you should believe in the brand just a little bit less right now until other people believe in it a little bit more I I like that. I think that that the reason why I think of it that way is because definitely something that, you know, I got a lot of from Chris is just never being afraid to like admit you don't know something or fail, ask the right questions. So it always has that kind of like built in caveat of like, you know, we're for, for the most part, we're like first time business owners where we're going in there. We don't have that experience, but we're going to go in there. We're going to work with the right people. We're going to ask the right questions. We're going to do the best that we can to like go for it. 
if it goes in the wrong direction, like you said, you need to like ask those questions, have the ability to like think objectively and you know, not just like you said, just like, I'm going to do this, even though everything is showing me it's not working. Definitely don't want to do that. You want to really stay practical, understand everything and make sure you're making the right decision if it backs out on the data. Yeah. Amazing. Um, well, Joel, we can, we can wrap up here. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, the CrossNet is one of like, I wanted to have you on because honestly, CrossNet is an example I, I hold up all the time to omni-channel brands that are, um, you know, one one main product, right? Like one hero product distributing on omni-channel. I'm like, look, there is a playbook for doing this and it is what they did. And it's not, it's not a circumstantial thing. It's not like that only worked in their time period. Like this is how you do it, right? Like, um, and, and. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I super applaud you for especially having done it for the first time with CrossNet, like kind of knowing, all right, you know, this isn't working out. It's exactly what we're talking about. This isn't working out. You know, how do we pivot? How do we look at this differently? You know, how do we stand in the box a little bit differently? Right. Um, and then, you know, there it was, that was the home run. So, um, I appreciate you being on. I really wanted to have you on if for no other reason, so that I can send this, uh, podcast episode to, uh, prospects and clients when they're asking me about how to do an omni-channel, uh, <laughs> single product brand, but I will allow you to wrap up, uh, with our parting shot, um, which, you know, I think we talked a little bit off camera about it. So I'll, I'll kind of just let you take it. Yeah. I, I think to sum it up, it's really like don't let that fear of you haven't done it that imposter syndrome hold you back go step up to the plate with that confidence that you're capable of doing it but also be reasonable like have the right coaches have the right team members that are going to help you understand the important things in your business you know your numbers your operations all the basic fundamentals you need to have the right team in place to make sure that's dialed in without that you're not going to have the ability to like really win a lot of games so that's what I would probably sum it up with and still play on that sports analogy. Awesome. Well, Joel, thanks again. Uh, Casey, I'll let you take us out. Say all the YouTube things. Appreciate it, John. I appreciate you for leading all these interviews for us. This is developing into quite the series on how to build many different types of brands. Uh, thank you for joining us as our guest today. Dude, this was this was incredible. This is so much fun. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain for our viewers. If they've made it this far, we're actually going to be shooting another episode. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do a little fun game. So be on the lookout for that. We don't know when that'll drop as of this point, but it's coming down the pipeline. Uh, but if you've made it this far into the video, please remember to like this video. If you made it this far, you probably liked it. So you know, show us you did. Um, you know, feel free to share it with your friends, subscribe to our channel, hit the bell icon to get notifications about whenever we drop new content onto the Modern Commerce channel. And as always, until next time, we'll see you.